The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Do you often, or have you often in your career had to call somebody, kind of cold call somebody for a story? Somebody that like you didn't actually know, but you got their number because you're trying to track them down. Maybe like, um, I know a while back you were doing a story about the mid 2000s White Sox Mm -hmm. teams. I think you're actually doing a story about the 06 White Sox team, the year after they won the championship. And so, like, maybe you had to track down somebody, like, you had to get somebody's phone number and call them, and they didn't know you or anything. Like, how often have you, how often do you or have you had to do that where you're introducing yourself to somebody in a phone call, basically? Uh, every once in a while. I think it happens a lot with, like, people in the industry now, like agents and whatnot. It's more that than people with stories. Because usually the way I like to operate is if I'm working on a story and I'm talking to somebody, and somebody they know is somebody I also need to talk to. It's like, hey, can you let them know? So it's not that weird interaction. Yeah. My yeah, way I've had that experience. My way to smooth that over typically is I actually do not call people, period. I if I get somebody's number, I will text them and explain who I am and why I want to talk to them and ask them, is it all right? If I call you or is there a time I can call you or could you call me? Because I don't think anybody, I fe- it feels too, especially if you're someone somewhat famous, I think, it feels way too intimate and invasive that somebody can just call your phone. That you could just be in the middle of anything and get a call from a reporter. And I don't want to give somebody else that feeling. I'm much more about texting uh, to explain and then you know, hopefully get a response and get a call back or get a time that I could call them back. Um, but you didn't have that 20, 20 years ago. I, uh, I had that happen a couple of weeks ago because I was doing a story related to the 85 bears and I don't really know many of those guys. It's way before, I mean, it's basically when I was born. So I definitely don't have any relationship of covering these people other than in their post football career. But I, one of the people I talked to was, I got a hold of, texted and asked him, you know, when can we talk or something like that was Mike Singletary, the Hall of Fame linebacker, one of the greatest Chicago Bears of all time. And incidentally, like the week before Mike Singletary had spoken at my church 
and we had gone to see him speak and my dad came and um incredible speaker if you've never heard mike singletary speak he's amazing and he's had a a lot go on in his life and he's gone through like very deep um like soul searching at different points in his life because of things that have gone on with his family it was a great speaker so when i a got a hold of him yeah so, and and mike singletary has a voice that makes you listen like i know he didn't have a good run as an nfl head coach but i don't think there was any time where mike singletary started talking and the and the guys were kind of tuning him out like that's a voice that makes you kind of sit up straight and and a face that kind of makes you like lock in but i told him i was like hey you know i called him and i was trying to like kind of ease into things and make a little small talk and i was like hey mike i um we'd seen you you speak at our church just last week and it was really good and i really appreciated it and uh, my family and i really enjoyed it and he was very receptive like wanted to keep talking about it and um and then we moved on to talking about what i needed to interview him for but it reminded me of uh, another time that i had tried to do that like 20 years earlier i was an intern in miami and this was actually the week that the bears were playing in the super bowl against the colts and they are in the weeks, I guess, leading up to that. They had wanted, the paper had wanted me to have something in the paper every day that week about past Super Bowls in Miami. So the idea was find at least one person from every Super Bowl that's been in Miami. I think there maybe had been six or seven at that point and interview them about that game. So every day we can have kind of a look back to this Super Bowl or that Super Bowl. One of them was the Steelers. I don't remember which Super Bowl, but Lynn Swan the Hall of Fame wide receiver was the guy that I was tracking down for that. And Lynn Swan, I think at the time was a politician. Eventually went on to be the USC athletic director. And I'm not sure if what he does now, but um, my, my dad had grown up in Pittsburgh as a big fan of the Steelers. And so I thought this would be a great icebreaker with Lynn Swan. Once they finally get me on the phone with him um, and his secretary, whoever finally got him in touch with me and I was like, hey, Lynn, I, you know, um, I'm really it's great to get to talk to you. Like my dad not only grew up a Steelers fan, but a huge fan of you. He always talked about like these great plays you made and how much he enjoyed watching you play. And uh, Lynn Swan just goes. This is an interview, right? <laughs> no time for the shenanigans. <laughs> All right. Well, let me just <clears throat> excuse me. Let me just get to my list of questions here. Yeah, that would be uh, that's tough. You never know what you're gonna get, man. It's one of those you I gotta just take it on the chin and be like, "All right, I know where this is going." Yeah, that's and you have a, but you have so much less awareness of that. I think at 22, like I think I would recognize that right away now. But I've had so many times that um, I've had so many of those. Either either you call somebody. It, or you actually are going in person and talking to somebody that you don't know. Like when I was, uh, when I was covering university of Florida. So I was in Gainesville, Florida, kind of the middle of the state. They, uh, they were really big. Our paper in South Florida was really, I was working for them still just stationed, I guess, in Gainesville. And they were really big on spring training because half of spring training is in Florida and half of that spring training is in South Florida kind of. Mm-hmm. With Port St. Lucie and West Palm Beach, and I think it used to be in Fort Lauderdale, places like that. Um, so anyway, while I was in Gainesville, they would every spring they'd be like, "Hey, go hit a few 
Gulf Coast spring training sites. Like, and just give us a feature story. Like, go do a feature story on Miguel Cabrera. Go do a feature story on Dontrell Willis was, uh, I think, trying to make it with the Phillies or somebody at that point. Go do a uh, Yankees one, whatever. And um, what was the guy's name? Was it Hunter Pence? Was he the guy with, like, the real kind of wild hair and wild uh, batting stance? Yeah. I, I was – yeah, he was with the Phillies – I'm, I'm, I hope I have the name right. I'm pretty sure I have the right guy. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're he was right. With the, he was with the Phillies, and I needed to talk to him. And uh, I, maybe he's a great guy because I only ever had this one experience with him. I don't have a book of experiences with him. But I was asking him questions uh, during, like, an open clubhouse or whatever, you know, before the game that day. And it was not going well. Like he was not cooperative, he was not receptive at all. He was unfriendly, which is fine. Like you know, you don't have to. We're not here to make friends, I guess. Uh, but somebody else, another player from the team, kind of walked over and was like, "Hey, do you have a minute to Hunter?" And he just looks up at the guy exaggeratingly and goes, "Yes." Tough. That same week that I was uh, calling people from old Miami Super Bowls, uh, one of the people I called was the very, very old Packers quarterback, Bart Starr. Do you know who yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, um, I do. And granted, he was a lot older and probably not as busy as Lynn Swan or Hunter Pence. Um, but Bart Starr could not have been nicer. Bart Starr, like, wanted to, after I had finished asking him questions, wanted to, like, kind of hang out and chat on the phone for a while. Like, I really appreciate that. That's nice. it's a, you never know what you're going to get. Legend. You never know what you're going to get. You never no, know. No, you got to, you have to, especially as a, and the, and the one with you and Lynn Swan as a young kid, that sucks. <laughs> you got to go, go in straight shooter. And if somebody's really cool, you're like, ah. That was a cool development. But you have yeah. to go in like no bull. This is what I'm here for, just to avoid those awkward situations. Yeah. <laughs> you just I think when you're young, you as a reporter, you think everyone wants to be interviewed. You think everybody I get a hold of is gonna be happy to talk to me. They're gonna they know what this is, I know what this is, it's all gonna be very cooperative. And <laughs> when it is <laughs> Yeah, when it isn't, you're really thrown yeah. off. I mean, I think back to like my very first uh, time covering the NFL was 2006 covering Nick Saban. And like, Tone, you love these, you know, YouTube clips or whatever of Bears press conferences now. I can tell you mm -hmm. those 2006 Nick Saban press conferences were not like that. I was just sitting there like squirming trying to come up with a question that wasn't going to get completely obliterated by him. I was way overmatched at that point. What happens in both cases, though, is as you get older, and Russ, you know this, as you get older, more experienced, more confident in what you're doing, you're much more prepared to hold your own in those types of interviews. When they, if the other person kind of takes it sideways or, you know, gets combative with you, like, you know, you're not nearly as, as thrown off and reeling from that. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's a hundred percent a an experience thing, and I think in a lot of cases, I know for me and, and Jay Z, you probably experienced this too. Like, I don't have time to be scared, right? I don't have time to 
oh, what are they going to... I'm either going to ask this question or I'm not. And either I'm going to have yeah. a good story or I'm not. And so you kind of just have to say, well, screw it. We're here now. And it's easier said than done. I get it. And I've been in those moments where it's like, ah, I don't want to necessarily ask it. This person seems pretty like it. Sometimes it's like, hey, we just lost and we didn't lose in a great way. So I'm mm-hmm. feeling like uh, that happened. But you kind of grow out of that in the first after the first like year or two, maybe sooner. I, I think when you first start out, there's a little bit of like, hey, I'm almost whether you say it audibly or you're just thinking it, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, I have to ask this, but. And I have gotten one of the things that has improved with experience and with, uh, I guess, success and with more confidence is I am so much less concerned about whether you're going to like the question that I ask you. It's going to be fine with me if you don't like it, but it needs to be asked. Now, when you cover a team you're in a different position covering like all of major league baseball. I know you've been a beat writer in the Mm -hmm. past when you cover one team, it's a little bit different because you have relationships with those people, whether good or bad, whether you did it intentionally or not, whether, you know, you, you might say like, well, I don't really have a relationship with so-and-so Justin Fields, but you do kind of have one based on whatever yours and his history is over three years. So there is some sense, hopefully with people you cover that when you ask them a very pointed question or a a question about a sensitive subject or a question about one of their failures, that they understand that it isn't personal. It isn't that you're out to get them. Yeah. It's a little different when you're calling people. Yeah, for sure. When you're, when you're there every day, and you can talk to them outside of that setting, it is a lot easier to ask. I wouldn't even say the tough question, but the questions that need to be asked. And I've found in my career, especially on the beat, it's better. Let's get it out of the way right now. You know what needs to be asked. I know what needs to be asked. Let's just do it. And because there are people, and you probably have some on your beat, and I know people in my career who do the, I hate to have to ask you, like, there are people that actually lead with that. Um, just ask. We all if there's anything I do, it's the, it's one of the things you said in there. It's where I, I, I think you were saying more like you're thinking this, but I will sometimes come out and say it like you understand this needs to be asked. Like, that's not an apology. That's not a that's not trying to, like, dilute what I'm about to ask. It's me making sure you understand, like, this is a necessary question. And I, and I hopefully that sends the message of, like, you know, you need to answer this. Yeah, no, I, I, that's an interesting way to go about it. I've never. I've always yeah, just thought it internally, like, well, I think everybody in this room knows what needs to happen now, as yeah. opposed to somebody throwing up a softball. And then here comes Big Bad Russ with the. Why y'all shit the bed in the night, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's something that that happens a lot more often than people realize, especially when you have like, and I'm not talking about anybody here in town, but it's like I've been on, when I was working for MLB.com and I would work cover like every team when somebody be out of town, right? The person from MLB.com wouldn't travel Mm -hmm. and I'd be the person in Chicago. Mm -hmm. You're on a lot of beats where the rsn person gets to go first and sometimes that person is not trying to ask about why this team shit the bed in the night they never are 
They never right. are. And a lot so of them, then, they're either they're either similar to or they actually are team employees. So it's just like it it creates a a weird situation now between RSN person and then the beat because then it creates this weird situation where the beat feels like oh we gonna get shit on because we had to ask the question that needs to be asked and here you went and threw a softball up that had no relation to anything that was happened or needed to be asked so I've seen it all so I I get what you're saying um. It's interesting because I and we've talked about this a little on a pod before. You as like my friend Jason Leisure and the guy that goes into that room on Sundays or up in Alice on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. two completely different people. Hmm. Tone, do you agree how with so? me? How how do you think? Like to me, the guy that goes in that room is no nonsense. He is not playing with you. And these are not slights, by the way. Uh, And we're not here to mess around. And you just hit, it's like you flip a switch and it's just like, Mm. you're just, and then you get here and it's like, ah, I'm with my friends. Why are you smiling so much, Tony? Well, I mean, this—he enjoys doing this. This is not saying he doesn't enjoy. I that, agree with that but, tone. I would. I do think he likes doing this. Is, this is a good time. You think I like you what? Know? You think I enjoy what? But, Which of the things? The press conferences? Well, what, no, no, no. What we do? It's here, my job. In this it's the thing I'm okay. Uh, but you know that—that's his job, and you know it's, it's a very competitive space, uh, and there's a lot of people in there, and everybody you know kind of you know wants to get in there, but the way Jason does goes into a, a, a press conference, it is all business for him. Um, and especially which has been most of his tenure, at least here when they want to play in your face, like Jason's not here for any of that. Not here for the game. So like it, we will experience a different professional Jason. If there was competency in the team, well, that that's covered. So if Mike Daniels is that's lost to the Bears, no. you think that's a different true. version of Jason Leisure? That's yeah, true absolutely. because I I I don't think it looked quite like this when I was covering the Heat when it was Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Shane Battier and Ray Allen, all these people that were excellent at what they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't look so much like that. around here. There no. hasn't been much, no. And there wasn't much ever when I covered the Dolphins either. Um, I look at the, I look at it, and I've told this to people that I've covered. I've told this to coaches and players that I've covered, is and executives that I've covered. That like I look at that as kind of the playing field. Like when we go in the press conference room, it's kind of this game that we're playing. Of I'm trying to get answers out of you. And you're trying to protect whatever you need to protect. And we're going to compete against each other in that way. We're going to have kind of um, our goals are not going to be aligned when we're in that space. When we walk out of there, like I like most of, if not all of these people as people. Like it's not personal. 
It's not anything of like, I'm trying to take you down. It's like, I want, I, in the case of the bears and a lot of other teams I've covered that have not been good. It's a case of, I want to know why it got this bad and what you're going to do about it. And I am going to do my best when we're in that arena to pin you down on some answers. And, and if it's your fault, then it's your fault. But it's, that doesn't mean like I, I take no joy in somebody getting fired. I didn't like when Matt Nagy, and Ryan Pace got fired. I wasn't like, got him. I beat those guys or something like that. You know, as, as, people, I, as, as people, I don't want that to happen. But I would, I would ask you this. This is, some, this is something I've thought about a lot lately because Justin Fields, the Bears quarterback, is probably on his way out of town. And I have been very critical of Justin Fields' play. But I would, over the last three years, and I would stand by all of it, all of the criticism of his play. But I would tell you that I really like Justin Fields, the guy. I really respect him being 24, 22 when he started, 24 and handling this and the way that he carries himself and the interactions that I've had with him have been really good. There was one instance this past season where I asked him a question after a game and he didn't like it and didn't really answer it. And he came up to me afterward and he was he could not have been more civil. And this is like what you want. He felt disrespected by the question that I'd asked him. I don't remember specifically what it was, but he came and I'd rather have a guy tell me that than sit there and seethe over it, whatever. Like I'd rather that in all my relationships. I'd rather you tell me if you're upset with me about something and let's let's work through it like people. And he came, he came to me very civilly and said very calmly and flatly like, Hey, I didn't want to answer that question because I felt like that was a very disrespectful question. And I told him, I didn't intend to disrespect you. I felt it was a question that needed to be asked, but I didn't intend any disrespect by it. And we shook hands and that was it. And we were good. Like I, I, I really admire that in another person to be able to deal with that. So while I've been very critical of his play, I think very highly of him as a person. And I would be plenty happy to see Justin Fields succeed as an NFL quarterback. I would tell him that like my criticism of his, him has been nothing personal, but I think he would say like, you're criticizing the most personal thing possible to me. You're criticizing the thing I put my entire life into every day and care about. And that's where it's like, it's very hard, I think, to maintain a relationship, a working relationship, a professional relationship that I can feel good good about and confident in about how I've handled it when I know that the other person still, while they could, they could, I'm sure Justin Fields is smart enough or Matt Nagy is smart enough or anybody, any of these people I've covered are smart enough to say, I know this person, he's not attacking me as a person, but he is attacking one of the most important things possible to me. So like you should be prepared just in case, though, to fight, though, just in case. Fight? What do you mean to fight? I, no. You think you think somebody's dudes going to sneak each other? I think there's I think so. I think always so. one person, you catch them mm-hmm. on the right day, that out of here. Gone. Jaw. Gone. There was the one time I thought that was going to happen was to somebody else. And there was there is this guy who has covered the Miami Heat for a long time. I think all of their seasons because they've only been around since the '80s, and he's obnoxious. I mean, he's one of the most obnoxious reporters 
you'll find. And so Dwayne Wade had this guy covering him his entire career. And there was a time where I thought Wade was going to, it, it was just like, it was like pregame, you know, some nothing game in Atlanta. It was pregame open locker room. And man, I, I he, he had this look in his eyes, Dwayne Wade did, like he was about to swing on this dude. You got you got to address it then too. He's like, "What? You want to punch me? You gotta you gotta address it right there, right?" Oh man, did he want to? But that's you know that's somebody's lottery ticket. Like you know, then they're they, you know. yeah, because cause it's like the money dudes are making now. I'm not gonna risk that because you're a dickhead as a reporter, right? And there, to your point, Jason, for that dude, like there's a lot of reporters who live for that to be that guy, and most are not. 97% or not, but the like you gonna catch a spree well, right? You gonna catch a sheet, <laughs> you gonna catch uh uh um you know uh uh Kenyon Martin back in these when these dudes were wilding out. Yeah, fortunately oh, everybody you mentioned is very old school. It's not oh, yeah. today's modern day, they'll just send you a mean DM or something. Also, I don't think modern I don't think athletes today um get as riled up like they gaming and they're on twitch and like they on their phone like i don't care about you like who are you bro like i don't even i don't i don't think a lot i I think it's two different times that we live in chris Mm -hmm. dunn wanted to snuff me one time oh yeah for what yeah All right. Well, let's get what to a random, what a on, random person to snuff you. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear this story in a second. Let's start the show, and then we're going to come back to that story. All right. So just hold on to that for a minute, there, Tony. <laughs> Welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure with my co-host Russ Dorsey. He's back, back from LA. We got the latest producer in the game, Tony Gill, about to tell us why Chris Dunn wanted to go thirty with him. I think. And uh, I. Uh... I was going to say, I listened to the pod last week. Shout out to Maddie Lee for filling in for the boy. I'm yep. sorry that I I, we're, I missed the pod last week. Uh, but I did like how you tried to help me out. Like, Russ is having meetings in L.A. <laughs> so it sounds really like, cool. It sounds really cool. That sounds great. I'm going to tell you something about traffic in L.A. Not cool. Like, and like at all. Yeah. I like, mean, it always is. in L.A. is cool. Traffic right. in L.A. is not cool. Yeah. Tony Gill is presented by Sheets and Giggles, and you can go to our link, sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. And they're running their president's sale, President's Day sale through the end of the month, I believe. So when you get this on Friday morning, this is the sale that you can get um, that they're running. They're running this sale for everybody. $460 off the mattress. There's been 46 presidents. It's President's Day. So $460 off the mattress or $46 off the sheets. Everybody can get that. They don't even have to be listening to me right now and they can get that. But if you are listening to me right now and use our link, sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, you can get an extra 10% off on top of that. So it's like a there's a sale that everyone knows about. And then there's like a secret sale that only you listening to this know about where you can get an extra 10%. You can either use our promo code sheetsgiggles.com slash SA um, and that will apply the discount automatically, or you can just put sports in as the promo code. That'll apply the discount. So you get their President's Day sale, uh, $460 off the mattress or $46 off the sheets, plus another 10%. And, and I'm telling you, this is the best 
thing you could buy for your house probably like this is such an upgrade to your bed the sheets and giggles mattress the pillow the sheet set Sports Adjacent is also brought to you by BetMGM. You can go to BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app and get this offer with our promo code Adjacent1000. Your first bet gets paid back in free future betting credits up to $1,500 if you don't win. Uh, you can bet on a ton of things over there, um, NBA, college basketball, hockey. Uh, we're about to have March Madness. There's a lot of things, to, a lot of ways to uh, amuse yourself over at BetMGM. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. All right, so Chris Dunn, you were interviewing him, or, you, or this was a scrum, or what? What's the whole backstory of Chris Dunn wanting to get into it with you? So, to be honest, uh, leading up, like it's hard for me to when I'm, I guess I should start. I'm not a professional journalist, right? I didn't go to school for this like you guys. Um, I just love basketball and. I wanted to cover the Bulls, so mm-hmm. they, t- they sent me out there, and I was like, okay, cool. So, you were covering – this is like what season that you – there was a season where you were covering – or multiple seasons where you were covering the Bulls for the local yes. radio station here in Chicago, The Score, and I think you also had a Bulls podcast going. Yes. yes. So what what was, era? We're talking Jim Boylan era. Fred Hoiberg, Jim Boylan era. Okay. That was when they got Dwayne Wade. They had Fred Hoiberg, like Mr. Running Gun, and then they brought in like the oldest, most deliberate offensive player in the league. Like Hall of Famer Dwayne Wade, but like late career, old man, mid-range game Dwayne Wade to play run and gun. That's when Garpack said we want to be younger and more athletic, and they got older and less athletic. They got Rondo. Rondo was Rondo, on those teams. Jimmy Butler and D Wade. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. speed things up with Dwayne Wade and Rondo. Nasty. <laughs> All right, Tone, uh, come on. So through the year, obviously they trade Jimmy Butler to get back Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Laurie Markinen. Um, and like I said, to be honest, I wasn't particularly positive in the way i asked my questions to chris dunn because you know in my head i'm like he's this who sucks like he's not gonna be here <laughs> very long and it's it's hard for me to like go into these things knowing like how i feel about these players because like i think something similar happened to zach levine me and zach levine right like i have thoughts i have opinions i don't really like how you operate and do your job mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it comes out in the way I ask questions. So just as, uh, just as a as a point of fact on the ledger, it turned out you were right about both guys. Exactly. Just yeah, not about yeah. Zach, but neither nor there. I mean, Zach and who? Let's not. We're, we don't have time for this. But like, man, okay. he can, yeah, I'll help him pack. <laughs> uh, um. So there was open locker room pregame, and I'm like, you know what? Let me just go talk to Chris Don. And he had uh, he was going back and forth between like starting and coming off the bench, so he got the start. I think it was like preseason or something like that. So open locker room, he's sitting at his uh, locker, and I walk up. I'm like, "Hey, what's up, Kai? Couple questions." He was like, "Yeah." So I asked. I was like, "So, how do you feel about you know getting the start? Confidence from the coaches? Softball question." He gave me a you know BS answer, whatever. So I asked. I was like. You think you're going to keep starting? 
And he was like, what? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> he was like, he was like, you know what, man? Watch out. And I was like, all right, bet. And I just walked off. <laughs> don't, 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 that's great. What did he say? If it said, you think you will keep starting? And his response was what? what? Bro, what? He, was a he said that. He was like, wait, what? What'd you say? And he's like, man, whatever, watch out. And then I was like, bet. And I just walked away. Tone, I would I would have snuffed you too if I'm keeping a book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come up to me. I haven't been started. So I need to kind of like make sure this kid keeps happening. And I don't need your energy coming over like, well, you think this is going to keep happening? <laughs> That's crazy. Tone, oh, made, man, he's, he's asking him like it, like it's like like they've invited some kid from a, a local nonprofit to come out and start for it. And Tone's like, you, you, I mean, you know, like this is a one-time deal, right? You think you're going to keep starting? It's funnier to me because I just know how Tone talk, and that's how he right. talks. And I know he said it like, uh, you're going to keep starting? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I, I thought it was obvious. I thought like, look, you haven't been that good, you know, so far in your NBA life. And there's like, I watch you not be good in your NBA life. So it's like, we have, I thought we had this understanding that so far you have not been good at basketball. Yeah, sure. There we so go, Russ. That's what he thinks. Opportunity he, th he thinks that's start. the basis. Tone thinks that's the foundation of this professional relationship is we both agree that you suck. You know. You know. I'm, I'm pro Chris Dunn snuffing Tone because Tone's literally 10 seconds away from saying, well, you're garbage, so they're really making a bad decision by starting here. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Chris Dunn, because he's on the roster I saw the other night. He's on yeah, Utah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's surprising. It's like his fifth right? team, sixth team. Yeah, and no disrespect, right? You know, we know how his backstory, right? Disrespect. And uh, how hard he came <laughs> up, you know, yeah. gambling, playing dudes one-on-one for money that he didn't have, like, it's a very interesting story, you know, very story of his comeuppance. But, you know, you got the that's league and comeuppance. That's not what that means. But go ahead. Oh, well, upbringing. Yeah, that thing. Comeuppance well, yeah, is, is what Chris Dunn was about to give you. That's what comeuppance <laughs> is. But yeah, that was that was my experience with uh, Chris Dunn. And Zach Levine also wanted to swing on you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't like the way some of these dudes go about doing their jobs. Like, Tell you don't expect... in the, you're not in the league. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, you're, that, you're, 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 that, really that's what really bothers yeah. me. Tell See, you're not like, in the league. That makes a good point, because it'd be a lot different if you were like Udonis Haslam saying that, but you're just one of us. I, I know, but here's the thing. You're not going to disrespect my sensibilities when I watch you play. Bro, you want all these. I'm a, a high level athlete. You want all this stuff. You want all these accolades. I'm willing to give you. I'm willing to give you the praise and all the accolades that, that you would deserve. But you yeah. haven't done anything for me to do that. See, Tone was going in these locker rooms as a fan. I was. Yes. And it, it, yes. It admits every. Like, Absolutely. And he it, said right off the top, he's not like a journalist like us. That's <laughs> what Chris Dunn said. He said, hey, bring one of these journalists over here because I don't like you. <laughs> right. Where's Cowley? No, no, right. Slash he's, anyone. No, he's worse. Cowley's Cowley worse. I think, no, no, he's not. 
That's a whole other time. <laughs> he's, ha- he's handling it in a different <laughs> way than you are. He's handling it in a different way than you are. But, like, Tone is the fan that the, the players be going off on when they be like, you got people on Twitter, Tone. <laughs> Name one lock. Right? And they never play one game in NBA. Name and one lock. The PR staff let one of them into the locker room before a game. I don't tell no lies, This who told me I should start. <laughs> then they'd be like, Chris, well. I should ask you if you think you're going to get credentialed again. Yo, asking an NBA player, whether fair or not, if they going to keep starting because Shrug is crazy and he should middle of the middle of the Bulls locker room. I did not tell one lie and I have been proving correct. Both of them got up out of here. Well, one got up out of here and the other one, they trying to get up out of here. So, Talk, you know, I, Zach, I did not tell one lie. Zach is going to make $46 million a year. Over For the Detroit like, Pistons. Like you're not, what were you right about? He got he got they maxed out. I still no, I still think he's right. They were because they regret that. Anyone who had given him would have given him that would have regretted it, and nobody would give him that tomorrow. We're, we're here want. now. We're, we're not, here now. It's not Zach's fault. Say what you want. He's ah. one of the most. Right, I'm right, glad AK. he got his money. I'm glad Bro, for any it's their money. AK I'm happy for him about that. Horrible at their job. I don't care if this is in there or not. They're horrible at their job. Zach Fair. is one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA. If you look across the board at, at for scoring at that clip, he's super efficient. Whether it fits this team or not is not his issue. That's AK and Mark Everly's issue. But obviously it did fit another team too because they looked at that trade and was like, we straight. Whatever. We don't want any of that. So they should have you know. both like tag team DDT tone into like a table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked to you since you changed jobs. I know that you've been kind of in between jobs here I, that makes it sound like you're like unemployed in a bad way you, you want... I, i've been joking with all my That's... friends i've been unemployed for the last month finally got you off these streets russ and back into into the work did you collect un- unemployment no Tony. why not you're unemployed here we go you know tony would have it doesn't work that way <laughs> you were out of a job Any, anyway anyway it, it's it's not nearly as dramatic or drastic as it sounds. You had one situation that you were wrapping up and moving on from, uh-huh. and you were evaluating some options for your next situation. But uh, while I, while me and Tony have been aware of that, none of our audience, I don't think, has been aware of that. And now it's out there in the public that you're the new Yahoo Sports national baseball writer. What can you tell everybody about this situation where you go from doing the Bally's show to now doing this? Um, it has been an interesting, I'd call it six months. Um, and honestly, it was more, one of the more, I guess, difficult times for me professionally, because at a time where I, you know, was on TV every day and I had this platform as a national baseball insider, things just like hadn't aligned in kind of the way I wanted them to. And there's stuff like behind the scenes that, you know, affect that. And you can't, you don't talk about it. And like, there were times where like, I wish I 
could have, right? You wish you we could go to Twitter, go to your burner account, uh, <laughs> all those things. And it was, you know, I go to Europe, and before I go to Europe, I'm doing I'm contract negotiations for some different things, and I just didn't want to go to Europe and not be able to enjoy it, right? Like it's a time where mm-hmm. I like dedicate to myself and I wanted to at least go and like understand that. All right, when I come back, I'm going to have a resolution. Yeah. And I did like, I had it's no hard to go on vacation when it's like every idle thought is going to go back to this unresolved situation in your life. Like there were, there was a, there was a couple of weeks there around Thanksgiving where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Europe and come back unemployed. Like to Tone's point, like actually unemployed, like where I was thinking, like, I don't know how to file for unemployment. I might have to learn. Um, but it's free agency is super fun for like my job. When you're the free agent, that is not fun at all. And you can't bring it up and it's hard to focus. And I want to apologize to y'all because there were some times where I felt like we would come on and we would record and my mind was in 12 different places and Mm -hmm. it felt like I couldn't pod like my normal self because I'm thinking of a lot of things. Like there was times where I'd have to, I I'd talk to him, I'd have to push back like, yo, can y'all give me 10 minutes? I'm on home with my agent. And like that stuff's really hard and it's challenging. And um, you don't want to talk about it because I don't want to put that on people. And I think there's a, there's a privilege in like, oh, I'm negotiating and it's, it's tenuous, but the fact that you get to negotiate is a privilege in and of itself. Cause most of the world doesn't yeah. get to negotiate. You know what I mean? Right. So like it's reasons like that. Like, I don't like to bring it up all the time. And uh, sometimes people don't necessarily understand or, and I don't want to put that on them. So I kind of like kept everything in the tuck. Like I even kept the, the, a lot of the Yahoo stuff in the tuck, even after I knew. So you guys had known that it was coming, but like, most of the the world didn't until this week, and so I'm super excited um, to be over at Yahoo, and it is a a great opportunity for me, uh, an opportunity for me to be aligned with a brand that is has really built its you know cut its teeth in sports for a while. Um, people over there that I know and love, my man Vinny Goodwill is over there. You know, being able to have him as a sounding board throughout the process. Uh, my guys, Jake and Jordan, Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter, um, they're joining me as uh, the baseball team. And so I'm really excited. I have a ton of support over there, which is a blessing. And yeah, man, I'm 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 really happy because it, I'm just at a place where I am where I want to be. I'm wanted by that place. And then I have some other things, you know, cooking out here. So. Okay. There you go. So, are you have you officially started there, or do you start soon? Or no, the day the announcement happened uh, was my first day, and like I had a story okay. drop. Okay. So what what are people going to be able to see from you? They're going to hear you on the. Oh uh, yeah. So I'm going to be writing a ton, which is fantastic. I'm going to be doing my normal baseball reporting, uh, mm-hmm. and then also I'm going to be doing digital content over there too. Hence the new setup here. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, that's going to be attached to the stories that I write. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff for 
IG real TikTok and, you know, using my expertise as a national reporter and insider where it's like, hey, this is what I'm hearing or this is why this deal was structured this way. Right. So like, for example, Shohei, a video I would have done would have been let's let me tell you about why this is broken down like this. Right. What this means. How can a team fit seven hundred million dollars into their salary situation? So. A lot of cool stuff. I'm really excited. It allows me to flex the muscles I had. It allows me to take muscles that I didn't get to use and use them and kind of blend my ability as a national writer and reporter with the fact that I like to use social media and where other people don't, right? Where it's part of my job now. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think all those different things are are really cool. And, you know, I'm going to be traveling still. I'm going to be at the ballpark still. I'm going to be writing features and columns and stuff like that. So it is the next step for me in my career, a really big step, which I'm really excited about. But getting here, I'd be lying if I said that that was easy. Yeah, I think it's always difficult even when you expect things to turn out well it's all like like when you say free agency i mean when you think of pro athletes in free agency they're likely going to get some great contract by anybody's standards a very like hefty payday but i think anytime you're in your life where you have this uncertainty where things aren't settled about where you're going to be or what you're going to be doing or what exact amount of money you're going to be making, like what your budget's going to be in your house, things like that. It's tough, man. It's tough to just sit in uncertainty. And you had to do that a few years ago. And you had to do that just, you know, these last few months. And it's very challenging. It sounds like this job is good. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say a couple of years ago when I was your colleague and friend at some times before I just transitioned to just being your friend, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> the difference between that and this this was way more challenging because at the end of the day if shit went left i still had a job at the sun times you know what mm-hmm. i mean right like i there was didn't, no safety net in this case huh? there was no safety net like you were a true that free agent. Up, the guy was a true unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. and there are times in that where you know how talented you are but I, I think the thing that gets you in our business especially is there are a lot of talented people who are not in great situations, right? Yeah. Uh, and have, have not had great fortune when it comes to jobs. And so some of that creeps in your mind and it's really hard to, to not think about that negative um, yeah. because we work in a really volatile business and uh, I think it's an industry that runs so different than what I think of as like normal lines of work. Yeah. And I, but I like love it and I believe in myself and there are people that in places that believe in me. And so it's just trying to think of, yes, it is going to work out. um, But I I also don't like to think like a hundred percent like that, because I think if you get into the, it's all going to work out, I think that allows like now I have to work to make sure it works out. Right. I'm not just going to, you know what, if I think positively, it's all going to no. that's not how I operate. Or it's like, no, I'm going to make, it's going to be all right. Cause I'm going to make sure it's all right. Um, so yeah. Now to your point, go ahead. Well, it sounds like this job gets you 
two things back to two things that you love, which is it sounds like this job gets you back in the ballpark more mm-hmm. and it sounds like this job gets you writing more. Yeah. Which while you're very good at all these other things, um, and we're very good on the TV show. I mean, you have a, a pen tattooed on your arm like that. I do. That's clear, that's clearly like where everything comes from for you as far as, you know, your, your talent. It starts there. And I, I think part of like being a good writer is, is part of what makes you a good writer also makes you good at these other things. But I think at your core, you're somebody that has a way with words and is a great writer. And this Thank gets you, you back to that. I appreciate that. No, you're 100% correct. It was something where the the demand of being on a studio show that wasn't strictly baseball required mm-hmm. something out of me that I could no longer give um, because I need to be honest with myself about, like, what do I care about? Also a privilege. Most people don't get to do that. Um, but my passion and love is writing. So I needed to find a place that would allow me to use that love and passion, um, but also be able to use a lot of the skills that I did bring, you know, doing a TV show every day. Um, and I'm I'm still working on some other things where I might still get to do all those different things, but having a place separately that I could write every day if I wanted to. And there are going to be a lot of days during the baseball season where I do because it's you know, it's, it's nine months and then you could add another three for me as a national reporter um, during the off season. But yeah, it's it's all the things that I have wanted at a place. It's where I needed to be. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there was something I really wanted to ask y'all about, and it, it hit me this week. Uh, how do y'all cry? Are like, oh, are yeah. you guys, are you guys like criers by nature? Was there a point in your life where you're like, I definitely started crying more? Was it when you had kids? Have you always been an emotional individual? I want to start there. I think you can, I think you can feel a lot of emotions without crying. Um, I cry at funerals pretty much every time. Mm, I probably cry. I bet you I cry like five times a year. Does that sound like a lot or a little? It's probably a little. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, that's say. a little. Because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to, but I'm, I'm usually in that vein. Tone, how about you? Oh yeah, 
Um, I I cry Sunday and Saturday. Um, I'm a delayed crier for funerals now. Like it don't hit me in the mm-hmm. moment, and then like we had a uh uh the oldest mother at our church. She passed. She's known me my whole life. Our funeral Saturday. Um, and I didn't feel I didn't cry or anything. You know, I was happy to you know I worked the service and stuff like that. I got home, uh, and we looked over her obituary, me and my wife, and I started crying. So, like, yeah, yeah, I'm adept. I'm I'm adept at all. Oh, and on Sundays, the worship music going. Um, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely songs that songs that will like uh there's definitely songs that will make me cry i sometimes will start crying at uh at really just inconvenient times and locations like i was in a i was in a uh, lift on the way to the airport a few months ago and i was just sitting in the back looking at my phone and i came across this video of my grandfather who has passed away it was a video of him playing with my kids and i just lost it man like I just could not keep it together and we're pulling up to O'Hare and I got my bag and I got to like go in and check in. And I'm just like, I can't, like, I can't go up to this counter right now. I like, I need, I kept like thinking I'd kind of like settled it down. And then I would like start thinking about how much I miss my grandfather. And I would just like totally break down. I'm doing all this like at check-in, like, you know, where they have the machines that you walk up to with your bag and you scan in and you, and yeah. I'm just like, I like keep like, thinking I've calmed down and then start walking over. Then I'm like, no, I got to like step back and finish crying. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> it was not, it was not a great time for it. And then like one of, one of my, one of my, I have one of my struggles in life is like, and I don't mean this to be like a humble brag. I really don't. I, there are times when this would serve me so much better to be more just fake with people. Like I have a hard time being inauthentic with people ever. So when somebody asks me how I'm doing and I'm not doing well, it's really difficult for me to just do the easy thing and just say, I'm fine. Like, especially if it's a stranger, like save them the trouble, save me the trouble. And I got up to the counter and like, I'm, I'm sure this guy had seen me and I'm sure my face showed it. And he asked me like how this, this Delta airlines, uh, agent, he's like, you know, Hey, how's your day going so far? And I'm like, it's hard, you know, it's a hard day. <laughs> It's hard <laughs> after you've been bawling your eyes out. Um, yeah, you might have seen me. I was the guy across the uh, the lobby there, just just crying and sobbing. My eyes are actually still red right now. As I'm talking right. to you, um, these aren't allergies. the The reason I ask is because I'm I'm like you, Jay. Most of the time, where like I am an emotional human being, in just that I allow myself to feel things. Right? I'll be upset. I'll be happy sometimes you get sad whatever uh but i don't cry often mm-hmm. um dog i've been crying <laughs> like, like i don't it feels know what good it doesn't it i mean it feels good i think I, I i thought about it and i think it is super important for human beings to cry and i think like the last i've been in a weird emotional space the last couple of months with everything that's been going on you know, job, not knowing your future. It could put you in a weird space. But, Doug, I I bring it up because I was this week. I was I was eating my dinner, and I wanted to watch something while I was eating. And so I flip on Max, and I'm like, you know what? 
we're not going to make this really complicated. I'm turning Akilah and the B off, right? Jason, I don't know if you know Akilah and the B. It's a, a, a movie that oh, came yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I have not seen it, but I know what you're Palmer, talking about. Lawrence Fishburne, Angela Bassett, girl goes off and wins the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Bro, I've watched that movie 10, 15, 20 times, had it at the crib as a kid. Bro, I watched Akilah and the B. And in the movie, for everybody who's out there, if if I'm spoiling for you, I'm sorry. It's been out for like 13 years. It's been out for a long enough. Yeah. Hugh Palmer has a baby now. Yes. Uh, (laughs) In the movie, Akilah was being trained for the Scripps National Spellaby by Dr. Larrabee, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. And over this time they're training, he has a daughter that passes away, and he looks at Akilah now as his daughter, and then he realizes it and says, I have to stop teaching you. Uh, be- I, can't, I can't train you anymore because he was in a, this emotional place where he couldn't do it. And so then he comes back over to his house with the jump rope that he gave her that was his daughter's jump rope. And she was just like, hey, I need you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, there's nothing more I can teach you. And then she was just like, I know you lost your daughter. I'm sorry. Um, but I need you to get where we're going to go. Like we've been training for this. And he goes, when we get to like, I can't do it. And he goes, when you and I get to Washington, DC, we're going to make sure we give them a run for our money. Dog. I lost it. I, I'm, I'm, I've like seen that. I've, just telling us. I've seen, I'm seeing that moment. I've seen it 15, 20 times. And in that moment, I am tears run down my eyes, nippling. I'm just like, and it's not sad. It's a great part of the movie. But it's just like little stuff like that lately has been getting me. Like, I've been, uh, 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 music catches me in the right mood. Like, I'm talking just music that takes you to a time in life that was super enjoyable. Songs that I've heard a hundred times, emotional, right? Thinking about people that I care about and I miss who not even necessarily have passed away or anything like that. Just like people I care about that I love that I haven't seen in a while. I'll start crying. Like it has been really weird. But in that, I do think it's it's been good for me. Yeah, I think that is good for you. You should feel your feelings. And for me, I think it's a lot more like more so music than movies. I think because I think I view music as more authentic. Like this is something somebody wrote that they really believe in. Movies. It's always hard for me to get past the the knowledge that these are actors, and I love movies and I love great acting. But it's I I just don't usually get all the way in because I know it's actors. I will say the end of Toy Story three. I didn't cry, but I felt something. This when guy. the toys were all going into the incinerator, <laughs> you there's this, thought it was a rat. Yeah. I can't believe that's a kid's movie for one, but like there's a point where they're all just kind of sinking in and creeping toward the incinerator. And it's like, it's over. And they all just like, they all just hold hands. It's, it's getting to me right now. They all just hold hands and brace for death together. Yep. And like, man, fun. this is intense. I cried. Uh, like I saw the notebook. 
wow, I would not have. I feel you. you I've heard. I've heard that from brothers before. Um, like uh, no, you lift you in a car, ribbon in the sky comes on. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> like, Stevie was writing his ass off when he was ribbon in the sky. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like that. Like I'll be walking, you know, on the lakefront, and there's like a dad and his kids, and they playing tears just like because they, they, they tend to be like oh man look at that that's so beautiful and then it's like oh man i have a dad i love my dad <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like that boo-hooing bro so nah i i i was like i cried watching akila and the the other day like multiple times throughout the movie too it wasn't just in that one scene like the the scene where she like throws it throws the championship to because the other dude had never won and his dad was like really mean to him. I'm like, mm-hmm. somebody wanting to do that for somebody else, even though he was mean the whole movie. Tears. Um, I was just like, movie ends, and I'm like, I can't believe I cried for the last 45 minutes watching this movie. I've seen a hundred times. And I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this on a podcast. <laughs> it's a needed that thing. Makes, yeah, it makes it's me happy to hear Like, people need to you know, realize like, hey man, like that's that that's a part of being human. Is crying, and it's okay to cry. It's okay to have someone. Now you still got you know you got to go on. You know you still got stuff to do, people to take care of, and stuff like sure. that. You got uh, to finish that grocery trip for us. You got to you got to finish that. You know, someone <laughs> sound like Mark Jackson. Hey, Nobody, hey, <laughs> not hey. <today. laughs> no emotions. Not today. Not today. <laughs> but yeah, get I on mean, that flight. It's, it's it's okay to have those those emotions, and it's normal. Um, you know, some people suppress that uh, because maybe you lose weakness, or it's it hinders you, or people think it you know from doing or pursuing or being something. Uh, but you know, see, you know, it always gives me too seeing your parents cry like see like me seeing my dad cry like and i because i don't see him cry often mm-hmm. but it gets me every time and i'm like man if if he's crying like ah that must be something something going on so but yeah yeah i you know i enjoy a good cry sometimes it's always a good thing. It always comes from a good place, no matter what, whether you're crying like in sorrow or whatever, like it's always coming from a place of how deeply you care about someone else or how moved you are by something else. Have you ever, Russ, have you ever cried while you were, uh, man, are you, and I was talking, I was thinking about like crying at the airport and like how, you know, how much, if I am going to cry, I'd rather it not be there. But yeah, like, you said I, you said cry places that are very inconvenient, and I thought that's. I got, I I got told uh, I was covering a Bears preseason game a couple of years ago, and I got told right before the game that someone that I a friend of mine had died unexpectedly. Um, and it's like the game's about to start, and it's like that's hard to process in the moment. Um, and I remember the next day I was in a Starbucks somewhere in Ohio like working on uh whatever I had to write that day. And I just like broke down for like 10 to 15 minutes, just like that. Like it was on delay. Kind of like Tony was saying, like 
that next morning in a Starbucks, I just like 10, 15 minutes crying. Like I'm, I'm, su- I'm surprised someone didn't come over and like ask me if I was okay, honestly. But um, I, I was going to ask you, have you ever uh, been so moved by a story that you've worked on that you, or some, something you were writing or an interview that you had done or anything that had brought you to that point? Once in college, uh, I was covering a, a guy that I had, <clears throat> excuse me, known really well. No, that was actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good time to clear your throat because it makes me laugh. I was about to cry. No, but uh, a guy I'd known for a while, name was Noah, player on the baseball team, and his dad passed away before the season started. Mm. And so, you know, talking to him about, and he was like killing it. Like he was like leading the, the nation and like hitting. Like something crazy that would be very difficult to do when you just you lose the person who helped you get here. Um, and he was like so composed and calm about everything, like sitting down to write that was challenging, not because I didn't think the world needed to see that story because it they did. And I think it was a good story. And I think thinking about how important my dad was for me in terms of baseball one and like the getting to this point in like life and my career as it pertains to baseball, like I wouldn't have that without my dad. And so to see this guy perform at the highest level, the best he's ever played his senior year, he's going to graduate in a couple of weeks and it is like to to lose a parent is crazy. And so like that was really hard for me um, just as a human being, because like you're like, I don't like thinking about this. Yeah. Um, but also the courage that this guy and his brother and his mom have to be able to even talk about it with me, because I. I thought it was a, a story that people needed to to hear, but I was mm. also very uncomfortable even asking him if he wanted to talk about it. Mm, yeah. Um, so that was also really hard. Mm. I had uh, a lot of that when I covered high schools. I covered high schools in South Florida for maybe like a year and a half, and it just you get to know people so much better in that scenario. Um, that's not a job that hardly anyone aspires to. That's usually a kind of a stepping stone on your way on your climb. Um, but you would meet kids. You would talk to kids who had been through hard things. There was a kid who had lost his dad in nine 11. There was a kid who had come over from uh, poverty in Africa. There were kids who had lost parents. There were all kinds of things. Um, I think there have been three times where something at work has brought me to tears. And one was uh, interviewing a mom the day after her son had been murdered, her high school son, who was a football player in South Florida, who had uh, had D1 scholarship offers and a credible future ahead of him. Um, that was tough. Um there was another story on more of like a positive note. There was a story that I did about, and again, this was a high school football player, um, who this family uh, that had a son on the football team 
adopted another player on the football team who was 17 years old. And if you know anything about this world, uh, 17 year old kids don't get really adopted. That doesn't really happen. People usually when they're adopting are looking for the youngest possible kid to kind of have as normal of a possible, a conventional as possible of a family situation. They adopted this kid at 17 because their, their kids, their son and him were best friends and he was in and out of foster care, I think, um, if I remember right. And they adopted him at 17 because they wanted him to, even though he was about to be an adult anyway, legally, they wanted him to be able to have a family, like have a place that he comes back to when he's uh on break in college or something like that or for the summer like have a play have roots where he belongs that this was not just a decision to help him as a kid but this was going to be like long term this was going to mean something to him and i i had gone to their house and was interviewing um all of them so it was like the mom the dad and the their son and the son that they had adopted and the two older sisters who I think were like college or adult age daughters, um, just sitting around like their dining table interviewing them. And when I was listening back to them talk about that later, listening back to my recording of that interview, that conversation, it was just like, I was so moved by it. Um, and the other, the third one was, uh, you know, I mostly have covered sports. It's very rare that I've ever been asked um, in any, at any time in my 20 years or so doing this to cover something outside of sports, but it happens sometimes. And I was called in to work on the, uh, the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. And I was, I went the day after it happened. I went up there to kind of talk to people, talk to people in the community, talk to parents, talk to students, get a sense of, uh, what this felt like, I guess for them. And there was an interview with the, dad of one of the kids or, or um yeah one of the a dad of one of the kids who had been killed and i was like on deadline this was at night they had had a vigil or something at night and i had just zipped as fast as i could to a starbucks to sit here and try to you know write this and file a story and just listening to what the dad was saying about how like you know his last memory of seeing his daughter before she went to school just like was too much for me I just broke down crying in that starbucks again but I think even when it's something sad like that, I think it it still comes from such a good part of you in your empathy with other people, um, your your compassion for what someone else is going through, or if it's you know a situation like you know where you lose someone close to you, it's I this sounds trite probably in the moment, but it truly is reflective of how much you love that person and how much that person meant to you. All Star Weekend was after y'all did the the last week's pod, yeah. Oh, NBA All Star Weekend, yeah, uh, yeah. It was this past weekend. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, we don't have to talk about it. I just, it's over. I didn't watch. Anything. What happened? What happened at All Star Weekend? I couldn't tell you because I didn't watch. Oh, okay. I thought there was some like something from the streets. The streets were talking or something. Okay. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the three point contest. I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't. Either I had other things Kenny, going on. Kenny Smith, forget it. Like forgetting we were in twenty twenty four. 
I didn't I did see watch those it. highlights. That was Yo, hilarious. That was crazy because that's that's how you know nobody watched. That's how you watch nobody. Yo, Kenny should have got canceled. Kenny should have been canceled yes. on Sunday. But nobody watched, so People it didn't, didn't matter. No, um, <laughs> got away with the, it. The dunk contest featured a G leaguer, a dude who just gotten up from the G league, a dude that doesn't dunk, but he can hoop, but he just doesn't dunk. And Jalen Brown. They should bring and back those- Hall of Famers. They should bring back retired Hall of Famers for the dunk contest. Just to see if they can still dunk. Convince convince still dunk at 60, and it will be called Who Can Get It Up? Brought to you by Cialis or something like that. It'd be great. I just thought of this just now. I just love it. It was was terrible. See if Scott Skiles can get up there. The the games are not competitive. Uh, Like the dunk contest, it's definitely over. And here's my thing they called Mac McClung, who's not even in the NBA. He's in the G League. I've never heard uh, of that guy. I don't know who that is. But that's because you're first, old. So I, and I, don't I heard his name and I saw it in the headline. And I didn't mean that as a shot to you. But Mac McClung is a guy that I've been watching, Tony's been watching since he was in high school because mm-hmm. he's been the best dunker in the world since he was in high school. And he might be one of the best dunkers ever. Tony, you agree with me? Like, but he doesn't play on the he team. Does. He's not in the NBA, though. No. no. But he is he's, so he'd he's be great for he's... like the Globetrotters. Yes. But he's also happened to be the best dunker in the world. And so it's just like it's cool, it's cool to watch him be the best dunker in the world on Instagram at 15 and then be able to win the dunk contest. So like his dunk contest last year and even some of the stuff he did this year is like, all right, dog, you were far better than your com- competition and deserve to win it. Like he was doing some. Like his dunks last year were insanity, and he made them all on the first try, which is very important. You got dudes going four, five, six attempts, dudes we've never heard of. And like for Mac McClung, most of the world who they're trying to target has heard of him because of social media. But it's just like the fact that dudes aren't doing it, the fact that people don't care, it makes the weekend bad. It was already in Indianapolis, and shout out to people who live in Indy who listen to this podcast. I don't, I'm not trying to knock you. I bet that steak and shake across the street from the arena was bussing. St. Elmo going crazy. A lot of shrimp cocktail being sold over the weekend. But, like, it was bad. Like, me and Tony, neither of us watched the game. I don't know what happened during that game. I know the score was like like 210 to 190. I know that. Because, like, I got to a point now, like, at 31. It's like, if you're not going to care about it, I'm not going to care about it. There we go. Like, if if your best represent representatives of your league aren't going to care about this, yeah, I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going. I don't understand why they're so you. confused. They're so like, how do we fix this? How do we make them care about it? How do you make anyone care about anything? Money. money. I don't know if that. I don't know. If well, that's what if we do the no, money? Where dudes are making three hundred million dollars. Like, I rich people about- don't turn down money. Like I, I think like they still, they still, they if you you can still find some kind of financial incentive that's going to make LeBron James care at least a little more about this. During the in season tournament, dudes were giving that money to like younger players, dudes on two two way deals. If I'm making three hundred million, yeah, but that was big. Jalen Brown, that that was incentive though. What you're saying that was incentive. There was incentive in that in-season tournament for even the guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis because that money mattered to guys that mattered to them. 
But if we're all making $45 million a year, you can give us all a million dollars and we won't care. Yeah, but what if it's like a million dollars to their to their to all of the winning teams, you know, charitable organizations or or what if like what if everybody on your actual team gets money if your team wins? Like if like if the team LeBron's on wins the All-Star game, now all the Lakers get, you know, something from that because he's representing them. Money. Whatever it is, it's going to be money. I don't think that's all you that's, can do, to be honest with you. That's the way to incentivize like, them. That's what, exactly. Like I don't going get in so there saying, to them it's what they just did. Like, it's what they just did with the in-season tournament. Okay, we want you to care about this, so we're attaching money to it. But now that the Lakers could possibly not make the playoffs, like it could also have a reverse effect where people are like, hey, you can win this thing. It don't mean nothing because the Lakers did not make the playoffs and they won it last year. So, or I mean, they can just say it's not worth pushing so hard in the beginning of the season, and then the Lakers lost like you know fifteen or seventeen. Like it is not worth it to me at that point. So they could also have a reverse effect. So, the thing that always good. moves anything in sports is money. The reason that the NFL players will tell you at every turn, we don't want to go to 17 games, but then definitely voted for 17 games is more money. There's so much money in these things, especially now with the sports gambling partnerships. Like there's enough money available to make it worthwhile for these guys to try to win the all-star game. They just got to, that's the thing they got to get creative about. It's not about finding creative solutions in general. It's about finding a creative solution that involves money. DraftKings, FanDuel, prize picks would happily throw their name on some little check and or incentive where it's like, prize picks is giving each winning team $13 million. Or, mm-hmm. And they going to yeah. bust it down. Like, cool. But no, it was bad. It was a bad weekend. Uh, the Sabrina Ionescu against Steph was really cool. Really cool, but even in that, you had Kenny, and and it's I, that it surprised me. Like he Man, also drunk, drunk. No, she, he should have shot from the women's line. He shot from the men's line and got twenty six. There were four dudes that tied behind Damian Lillard in the final for the three point contest, and they all had twenty six. So, like the argument that she should have shot from the women's line is stupid. And so it's just like you had that, and then you have Kevin Hart like, all right, coming up. We got the dunk on. <laughs> it's just like, get us out of here, Kevin Harlan. It was not, <laughs> it was not a good weekend. Here's a dunk contest that no one knows who's dunking. Yeah, enough of the misogyny. Here's the dunk contest. <laughs> like it was, it was crazy. Uh, let's do the news, Russ. All right. We're going to put your uh, national baseball writer expertise to good use because, you know, that's your job. So you need to have some we you putting on your national this? baseball writer hat on the vibe. Okay. Um, can I guess the story? We haven't talked about this at all. Uh, yes, we have had no conversation about this. Let's see if you can guess what I want to discuss from the world of baseball. Is it the dog shit fanatics jerseys? Yes. It absolutely hey. is. Well, but it's Nike. It's Nike. It's not Fanatics. Fanatics is Fanatics has been on record saying, "Hey, we hey, we can't control this. This is a Nike problem." Interesting. Uh yeah, you would think Nike would be great at making sports uniforms because they make all of them practically and they have been for a long time. 
but uh, it's not going very well with the new Nike uniforms this year. Uh, players have complained that they look and feel like replicas, mm-hmm. which I just don't know. I get how like some of your trial and error isn't going to work out, but I don't understand how this doesn't get kind of sorted out before it goes to launch. Um, an Orioles player was quoted saying that they look like, quote, a knockoff from TJ Maxx. Which, as a TJ Maxx shopper, as a TJ Maxx shopper, let me clarify: they don't sell knockoffs. They just sell jerseys you don't want anymore. Like it's a you you'll go there and you'll buy a Mitch Trubisky Bears jersey. It's not a knockoff. It's not ten dollars because it's fake. It's ten dollars because nobody wants them. And now, now the big problem this week, Russ, as players are taking like their portraits for the start of the season, like their media day, their media day stuff, is that the pants, the white pants are see-through, like flagrantly see-through. Like you can totally see oh, the, the button. Nah, not that flagrant, but like maybe eventually once they get out there and start sweating and playing in them, I don't know. You can, totally the bottom, you can see the bottom of the jersey tucked in. <laughs> like what's going on here is my question. So you see cheese. You can't necessarily see me, but you can see cheeks. All I know is I don't know who dropped the ball here, but somebody got getting fired because these are the like baseball jerseys are so cool, but now you have the names that are it seems like thirty percent smaller than they were last year. The font looks smaller, yeah. The font looks smaller. They look weird. It looks cheap. It looks. And cheap for Nike is crazy, but they look cheap. They have, like, the cool part about baseball jersey, like, they have the stitching where it's just like, that. no, that's stitch. Like, that's real, authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And places, teams that used to have stitching, it's just like a patch that they, like, glued on. Like, it is not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Well, and they're still selling them for the same price or more than they've ever sold them. Oh, like, oh, like if you want to buy one in the uh, gift shop, it's still going to cost you several hundred dollars. Hey, pray that they still have some of the old jerseys and go buy that. There you go. Uh, speaking of great sports apparel, Donald Trump has launched a basketball sneaker. Did you guys see this? I heard about it. Oh, well, you're about to see it because he uh, he, he released a high top basketball sneaker this week that he's selling for $400 on his website. This is what it looks like. Tony's dancing like he wants a pair. Tone gets them. You're not getting a pair, Tone. They're sold out, according to Donald Trump. They have uh, thousand- those things are mad ugly, yo. Tone still gets off. <laughs> They're all gold. Uh, he, he's he's also released a uh, a Yeezy style shoe or maybe a running shoe. Um, that's going for two hundred dollars on his website. And they're saying already these things are sold out. There were a thousand pairs of these high top gold sneakers. They were sold out. One thing I found interesting looking through his website at these shoes is every photo. So like this photo I'm showing you guys of the gold high top sneakers. Um, every photo has a disclaimer underneath it. Of course it does. That oh. says, uh, this is for illustration purposes only and the actual product might not look like this. Oh my God. Okay. So you're supposed to commit yeah. 400 or 200, whatever you're paying, whichever shoe you're getting. Think. But it might not look like this. It might just be totally different. That's Trump crazy. said that he's been wanting to release this, uh, release a sneaker for 12 or 13 years, which sounds like we now know how long his inner circle can hold him off of a bad idea. 
That's the max they can make it is they can because that this idea of him releasing a basketball shoe that's all gold with the American flag and a giant T on it. That just seems like an idea that everyone was afraid to say no to. That everyone like didn't want to lose their job over telling him like this is really not the way to go. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel said that. What's on? He's learning from his mistakes. You know, he's learning from his stakes, maybe. For, I mean, he's had the he's had the fake stakes, he's had the fake college, he's had the the you know, now now the shoes. Yeah, I mean, he's getting in trouble, right, for you know, messing with the, the funding, you know, of the campaign money. He's like, you know what? How about we sell stuff on the side legitimately so we don't have to do this and run this back again where I gotta go to court and all that. Like they just just hand me the money, I'll give you some shoes, and that way I don't have to dip into the campaign. He's uh he trying to do that the the Lavar Ball, the sell shoes that people never get. Yeah, and and haven't been yeah made yet. Yeah, well these are the Never Surrender High Top sneakers. These are the uh, the kind of Yeezy type ones. I think it's kind of meant to be a knockoff of that. There's the white ones. The white the white and gold look kind of good. Tone getting so he gonna get all three colorways. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Kimmel oh, said of these big keys. of these gold never surrender high top uh, sneakers from Donald Trump that they look like shoes you'd wear to a flag day mall walk with Mr. T. Russ, uh, I'm sure you've heard some bad baby names in your day. Uh, I mean, everybody always wants to present their baby to you and you know you always have to kind of act like uh, that was a great choice that you named your your baby mm-hmm. Gary or something. Um, and there's some names I don't think they use anymore, and Gary's probably one of them. There's probably no baby being named Gary or Clarence or something like that or Ethel. Gary's anymore. Yeah, I I can't picture someone like showing you their baby and being like, "This here's my here's my baby. Her name is Phyllis," you know, something like that. Uh, but. The New York Post has a story about a 20-year-old mother who came up with a name that's worse than any of the ones that we just mentioned. Um, Came from a good place, but sometimes, you know, the execution of an idea doesn't work out. Uh, I know some people whose name is what's called a portmanteau of their parents' names. So it's like a combination of the mom's name and the dad's names. Um, And a lot of times that works out and creates a unique name that sounds fine. Uh, But this woman... When her baby was born, uh, wanted to name the baby after her grandparents, whose names are Harvey and Charlotte. And so Not she Harley. combined those and went with Harlot. Oh, yeah. no. H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E. Tone, you're, you're, if a, a picture is normally like, you know, a thousand words, but not on a podcast. So, like your, your face, that's, I can't even describe the discomfort. Word, the discomfort that's you some, have right now. That's some real nasty word. They, Yo, harlot is that that kid's changing their name as soon as they're able to. Has the parent has to change that name. The parent has to change that name. Charlotte. the hell's wrong with them? Right, or anything. Anything. But like, change that baby's name to Susan. And you know what? Yes, it's going to be embarrassing later on to be like, you know, mom was 20. She was not that bright uh, at the time. 
and she named you harlot without realizing what that word meant. And we changed your name legally when you were three months old. This is over and done. Yes, that's embarrassing, but not as embarrassing as going your entire life named Harlot. Dog, somebody, when you're thinking of this terrible idea, you're like, you know, my name is Harvey. Your name is Charlotte. What if we did Harlot? You have to immediately be like, no, no, bad idea. No. And it's an old timey word. It's an old timey word. I, I I could understand that somebody wouldn't have heard of it, but the first time somebody else mentions it to you, what it means, you need to change that. You can't just let your kid go through life named that. That's not possible. No, that's the uh, the family. The family's been trying to come up with a, with nicknames instead, of course. And one of the nicknames they've come up with because the baby has kind of like a an, um I don't know like a. I don't know what you would call it, but kind of like a, a, a little like button nose. They've been going with uh, Piglet, which not a great nickname, but better than Harlot. Name the baby that. And finally, Russ, a 58-year-old man in Rhode Island killed a rabid coyote with his bare hands. Now, usually I like to, you know, the animal news to be like kind of interesting and funny news about animals. Right. Uh, but, you know, we got a rabid coyote. We got to deal with it. And this guy dealt with it with his bare hands. This man was hiking in the woods in Johnston, Rhode Island. This is a story from the Associated Press. When a coyote attacked him and bit him in the leg, he killed it after it bit him by strangling it. And there had been a rabid coyote attack earlier in the month in that area. So the local authorities hope now that they have caught and killed this rabid coyote that that kind of ends the threat. They're hoping that they, they're still researching to kind of trace back if that coyote is the one responsible for the attack earlier in the month. And if it is, then maybe kind of problem solved here, unless, you know, unless it's spread, unless there's other pets or something that have been affected by it. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I mean, you kind of think like, if my life depended on it, I would do whatever I had to do to live. But I, I will, I will back down from pretty much any confrontation with an animal. Like any animal that doesn't scurry away from me, any animal that kind of like bows up and is like, I'm about that action. I'm not, you got it. Yeah. I'm not about that action. Like I'll stand down. That's the news. Okay. Uh, this was a fun episode of Sports Adjacent today. It was good to be back with you guys. Yeah, it was good to have you back. It was hard. It was very hard to find a replacement for you on Valentine's Day. I I don't remember if we talked about this last week, but like, I didn't process that when I was talking to you because you called me just so for full disclosure, so everyone hears this. Like, Russ wasn't trying to get out of doing anything. Russ called me and he's like, "Hey, this is." not gone the way I thought it would today. It's going to end up being really late. I don't want to do that to you guys, make you guys have to wait and record this, you know, in the middle of the night or whatever. Uh, and he's on West coast time. So it's making it two hours later on our time. And he, you know, he's got a lot going on. He's not out there on vacation. He's got, you know, meetings and stuff. I'm like, buddy, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's fine. Like you got stuff going on. I was at the, uh, the Yahoo offices in Los Angeles and I thought I was going to be there for like two hours max. Mm-hmm. Plenty of time 
to get back to my place. And I was staying in Pasadena and where their office is, is not Pasadena. Nice. Um, no, I love staying so, in Pasadena, yeah. but it's not close it's the to best. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, it's not close to anything where usually where you are. That's where I always stay when I when I'm in LA. Um but I so I very like instinctively was like, hey, don't worry about it, man. Like we'll figure this out. And then I start going through my phone and I'm like, oh man, like everybody's gonna have plans tonight. <laughs> like there's gonna be nobody available. And I came upon Maddie Lee thinking, oh, there we go. Not that Maddie Lee is some, you know, loser with no social life. In fact, she's had a serious boyfriend for a long time. Right. Yeah. Relationship. Relationship. I like him. But, came to my but Maddie Lee's, but Maddie Lee is a uh, baseball writer and spring training just started. And I'm like, I bet you she's sitting in Arizona, not necessarily with nothing to do, but not with Valentine's plans. And sure enough, I guessed right. <laughs> Poor Maddie. She was great, though. She was great. She was. She's always, she always, she always, like, brings a good, like, kind of brightness, I feel like, to our to our show every time she's on. And she's been on probably, what, three, four, five times by now? Mm-hmm. Tony Gill, the littest producer in the game, is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. And what you're going to want to do is take advantage of their President's Day sale for the month of February. They're doing $460 off the mattress, $46 off sheets. There's been 46, we're on our 46th president. So president's day, that's how they got that number. Um, that's a good sale in itself. But if you use sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, which is our link or our promo code, which is just simply sports, they'll give you an extra 10% off of that sale. So you, our listeners will be getting a better deal than even what is already a good deal that everybody else is getting. Just go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. They'll apply the discount automatically at checkout. Or if you you know really want to be sure about it, you can type in the promo code. Either way, you can type in sports or you can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Sports Jason is also brought to you by BetMGM. You can go to betmgm.com or download the BetMGM app. Use our promo code at Jason1000 and they'll give you this, this uh, promo offer where your first bet with BetMGM, if you don't win, it gets paid back in free future betting credits up to $1,500. Just use adjacent 1000, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Everybody, go have yourself a good cry this week. (laughs) And when you do that, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.